Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. We are starting another uh, quizzing of the month, so let me go ahead and call Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great, great. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great. Uh, good morning, Dr. Zing. Good morning, Brooke and Pedro. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank good, you. Good. So, Brooke, what is, the, what is the question that we have to Dr. Zing this month? So, Dr. Zin, could you just talk to us a little bit about considerations to take in um, when supplementing with vitamin A for a feedlot diet? <clears throat> sure. Actually, uh, Brooke, that's a, a very interesting topic. And, and so I need to give a little bit of background first, and then I'll go into what I would suggest, Okay. To begin with, uh, we should understand that vitamin A is very essential and that deficiencies can occur in feedlot cattle. The the kind of deficiency symptoms that we would observe in feedlot cattle have to do with two very important functions of vitamin A, well, three functions actually. Vitamin A along with vitamin E serve as antioxidants and so it when we have uh, conditions of oxidative stress, like a newly received cattle or something like that, then it's going to play a role. Vitamin A is also very important for, uh, in terms of epithelial and mucosal integrity. And, and so, uh, you know, people talk about night blindness and stuff like that, but actually what you would see in the feedlot has more to do with those two factors, specifically mucosal integrity, because uh, a very obvious symptom of vitamin A deficiency would be ocular clouding and would be a very greatly increased susceptibility to pink eye. So these are the things that that would be most uh, obvious in a feedlot if you had uh, vitamin A deficiency. The problem with uh, the problem with this, of course, is that in a feedlot, cattle are coming from all different kinds of backgrounds, and so you can't just assume that 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 the cattle have some kind of vitamin A store. Uh, vitamin A is going to be stored in the liver and actually uh, can be very high levels uh, of vitamin A storage in the liver that would endure, let's say, without any supplemental vitamin A for maybe 150 or 180 days. So in some conditions, cattle would come in and you would do a study and say, well, there's no need for vitamin A at all in the diet. But, but in other cases, uh, the cattle can be very depleted. For example, if they're grazing, let's say, uh, corn stubble or something like that, where there's already a problem and then, you know, they're going to be just depleted when they come into the feedlot. So a lot of interest is in the condition of the vitamin A status of the animal coming into the feedlot. And, and so, basically, the, this is just dogma, okay, but basic research might indicate that uh, you need about 25 uh, micrograms per deciliter in the blood. The blood, the, the animal is going to draw from the liver, liver to try to maintain blood uh, vitamin status at a constant or it'll slightly increase. So you'll see that, that animals that are in good status are going to have about 25 micrograms or greater of plasma or serum uh, vitamin A or, uh, or retinol. But... Um, but when the animal begins to be depleted, 
In other words, as the liver stores start dropping dramatically, then the animal doesn't retain that store. And so then you see the plasma levels begin to drop. And so uh, when we see plasma levels on incoming cattle below 25, then we can assume that the liver stores are also rather depleted. And what constitutes depleted liver? Well, the work that we did and others is suggest probably four, uh, two to four micrograms per gram, and that's just depleted, all right? And and uh, so again, the problem is that we don't can't assume that all the cattle coming in have good livers, uh, good uh, vitamin A storage. And so then we have to consider uh, <clears throat> supplementation in the diet. All right, now, now comes the problem. Historically, vitamin A has been very inexpensive. And so nutritionists have been very liberal in uh, vitamin A supplementation. And even though the NRC uh, recommends uh, 2,200 uh, international units per kilogram of diet dry matter, that would be a generalized uh, recommendation. Uh, nutritionists on average feed a lot more than that. Um, there's a lot of dogma out there. Some people believe that that even uh, uh, high levels of supplemental vitamin A reduce the incidence of calculi. So in the wintertime, you may see some nutritionists really push that level of vitamin A up in the diet. But, uh, but this is less common today because of the, the very great, greatly increased cost of vitamin A. The research with vitamin A has been very, very has been highly variable. And uh, even where they've tried to titrate it down uh, because uh, of this, the animal's ability to store vitamin A and everything else, it makes it very difficult. But I would say, generally speaking, that that uh, supplementing, uh, in, when you put it in the diet, supplementation of less than maybe 1,500 international units per kilogram, now we're getting down to potentially a risky situation in the feedlot. Uh, certainly, the, the, the liberal recommendation by the NRC of 2,200, it's very liberal and unlikely uh, that the animals, any animal in the feedlot would actually require that high of a level vitamin A. Uh, okay, now let's get to the problem. Like many things in terms of nutrition, the big problem in terms of assessing requirements is what? To know what the supply is. That's the problem. And, and something that I think a lot of nutritionists maybe have forgotten or maybe they never knew was that vitamin A is very labile. It's labile before it's put in the diet meaning it's affected, its, it's uh, stability is affected by things like mineral content of the diet. And we add it a lot of times in the supplement where there's a high mineral content. It's affected by moisture content of the diet. It's affected obviously by sunlight. It's affected by a lot of things. And so we can't assume when we put that in the diet that actually that's what the animal is going to get when the animal eats the diet. So there you see a reason for maybe being a little more liberal on the thing. But the, the next thing is even more important. And that is that we forget that vitamin A does not survive the rumen very well. So that degradation of, of supplemental vitamin A in the rumen is probably at least 70%. 
So only about 30% of the vitamin A that you give survives the room. And that would be on average. There's two good studies that show that, but, but on average, let's say that about 30% of it actually gets past the rumen. And then when it gets into the small intestine, then again, it can be variable, the amount that's absorbed. Uh, there's research that suggests as high as 90%, but it may be as low as only about 15 or 20% of it is actually absorbed because there's a number of factors that influence vitamin absorption from the from the intestine. So what am I saying? Basically, I'm saying that we're, we're giving a requirement or an allowance when we don't know exactly what the supply is. And that is a very dangerous uh, situation to be in when you're a nutritionist trying to make sure that you've covered the basis. So uh, but but basically, this is uh, this has led to a range, let's say, a practical range in supplementation of two thousand to about uh, four thousand. Even though the average is much higher than that, okay. But but I would say that practical supplementation levels would be somewhere in that range, and I would suggest even lower levels, maybe around two thousand uh, international units per kilogram, would be adequate. The what uh, the some of the major companies do that's that that sell vitamin A for feedlot is they the, the vitamin A is protected so that uh, it has a kind of a gel coating that helps for dispersion because remember we're adding very very small amounts of this to the diet uh, a typical vitamin A supplement might be three thirty thousand international units per gram of material so you can see that uh, we're not adding a lot. Uh, of this material to the diet. So we need to uh, be sure that we get good dispersion of that material in the diet itself, which is another consideration. Now, because vitamin A is important, because we want to make sure that the animals do get the vitamin A that, that we would like them to get, the alternative to putting it in the feed is actually what we do. We inject it subcutaneously. And, uh, and so what we do is we, every time we work the cattle, we give them, a, uh, so let's say every 112 days or whatever, we would give them a shot of 500,000 international units. Now, where do I come up with 500,000 international units? All right, that might be a good question. The reason is because assuming that 70% is degraded, assuming that uh, digestion in the small intestine is 90% absorption of that that's degraded, uh, then 2,200 national units per kilogram with eight kilograms average dry matter intake would average, if you go over 112 days, would average about uh, the same as supplementing in the feed, the same amount uh, provided in, uh, daily, which would be about 500 international units per day. So what you uh, of actual absorb you know, active vitamin A for the animal. So that's the basis for that. Now, if we were looking at bigger cattle, these are for calves. If we're looking at bigger cattle, then of course we would want maybe go to a million units uh, each time we work the cattle to be sure that they're getting adequate. Okay, finally, the last thing I want to say, mm -hmm. and this is very controversial, all right, is that... Uh, a number of studies have been conducted that show that when animals are slightly deficient in vitamin A, you have greater marbling. And, and not so much the choice range, what's really affected is the prime range. And, and nowadays, because of uh, how the grid works and so forth, uh, 
reducing the amount of prime can be very costly to the to a producer. So it can it can the a lot of studies indicate it can reduce the amount of prime by like half. In other words, if typical prime is 10%, then without with excess vitamin A, it can be 5%. Now it's a, it can be a big drop in the, in the number of prime. So that's another thing in favor of uh, uh, being careful to not overfeed vitamin A. Um, and, but that's, like I said, again, that's controversial, but still, uh, and personally, this is me talking. I believe it. In other words, I believe that excess vitamin A will reduce uh, marbling, specifically the prime grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, because we're down in the Southwest, we're mostly talking about Holsteins. And I just want to give a warning that Holsteins coming into the feedlot and the studies we've done, we've actually measured plasma of incoming Holsteins. They are going to be deficient coming into the feedlot. Their liver stores are not adequate. And so you're going to see vitamin A, plasma vitamin A levels that are lower, like 15 micrograms per per deciliter or something in that range. So on Holsteins, we want to be very careful to make sure that we're getting either by injecting it, which is what I would recommend, or by feeding it uh, at adequate levels so that we've covered their requirements. I've kind of gone through this quickly because I know these are supposed to be short, quick uh, clips. No, that that's great. And I think uh, you, you answered both of the questions that I had that was about the injection and about the, the marbling one that uh, we've got some, some questions about that. And, and, and I agree with, with you when you say that's a, a controversial topic and, and I've heard uh, both sides, I would say, but uh, it's, it's really, really good to, to hear uh, your experience and, and, and your opinion about about this? Um, so I don't I don't have any further questions. Do you have any further question, Brooke? I just have one question because you mentioned that people tend to be fairly liberal with vitamin A supplementation. Beyond the marbling, are there any other concerns as far as overfeeding, whether that's health or performance? Really, you can feed uh, up to fairly high levels of vitamin A without having detrimental effects on performance. But uh, actually, one of the things you'll notice early on, Brooke, is that uh, when you have a vitamin A deficiency in the early receiving period, uh, feeding vitamin A or providing adequate amounts of vitamin A uh, will increase average daily gain. And that's really relatively consistent. So, but it, you have to have a deficiency before supplementation will increase average daily gain. But, but this is, like I said, this is especially critical during the early period. And some major feedlots that I work with, they actually inject and feed. So on, and when cattle come into the feedlot, they will give them a 500,000 or half a million units of, of vitamin A and also then provide it in the feed just to make sure that they get that covered during that early receiving period. I yeah. And 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 uh as you said, Dr. Zing, the the detrimental effect would be most when you overfeed at, at the end of the feeding period or or when you overfeed well that's now that's the controversial part, Pedro, <laughs> yeah. because you know they've done studies where they've actually tried to look at you know how long you can have a deficiency in order to see the marbling effect and so mm-hmm. it looks like you know it's a little bit controversial all right but but i would say yes to your question my my personal opinion is 
especially towards the end. And, and that's one of the things that's really nice about uh, giving an injection, let's say 120 days before uh, harvest or thereabouts is because then they are going to be low on vitamin A, getting close to the finishing period. And, and as you know, our cattle tend to grade high on the prime side. So this mm. is uh, this may be part of the explanation. I had a nutritionist many years ago that that actually criticized me about this because he thought that was one of the reasons we had so much prime. But but anyway, it's just uh, these these things that I'm saying right now. Remember, this is this is Richard talking. This is not we we, we don't have a whole bunch of sound science. And, and And for those who might be students listening to me, an area of, of investigation that might be interesting would be to look at from the time the feed is made until the animals eat it, how much vitamin A you discover back in the feed. All right. There's no, there's zero studies looking at this, uh, this stability issue there. We talk about it, but there's absolutely zero research on it. Something that I think is lacking in the literature. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned also the, how it would interact with different diets and with different exposures and, and other things that that's an interesting thing. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's great. Uh, any other question, Brooke? Nope. Great. Thank you, Dr. Zing. Uh, once again, we appreciate your taking your time to, to be here with us and, and sharing your knowledge. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people would, would love that. And, and you have a lot of experience. So we, we appreciate your, your time, your knowledge and, and, uh, taking that uh, to share that taking your time to share that with us so thank you very much uh, any any other final questions uh, final thoughts Dr. Zin no. thank okay. you very much Pedro thank, bro. yeah thank you for those of you who are listening to us we appreciate it if you have any questions any comments please send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com uh, our news the link to subscribe to our newsletter is in the description of this episode uh, feel free to sign up and receive our updates uh, monthly and uh, remember it's always a good time for a cattle call thank you whispers are a jingling a cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call